0: Hey guys, hope you're all doing well today. Uh, Before we get started, real quick, just want to take a second and recognize the fact that it has been a full year of doing this show, so that's pretty cool. I'm very appreciative to all of you guys for listening, uh, for the support that I've gotten from you. Uh, Hopefully, I've been a good influence for the most part. I've been called either the best or the worst influence, depending on the time and place and I guess what kind of mood I'm in, but... Yeah, we're still doing it. Um, I'm not planning on slowing down anytime soon. So hopefully, you guys are enjoying what I'm putting out there, and any feedback I get that can help make me better, I, I definitely appreciate it, guys. But my goal here is to help you out as much as possible. I feel like people in general they they're not taught the skills that they need to really be successful at life. And so if you're if you're going to learn what you need, um, past basic superficial things, you, you really have to do some digging sometimes. And when it comes to psychology, when it comes to human nature, just understanding people that you interact with, as something that's irreplaceable. And it's something that is so important, but it's never formally taught, you know, people kind of correct you a little bit when you're growing up in school and whatever, and they tell you, oh, well, don't do that or do this, whatever. But there's not really any formal lessons on how to interact with the other humans, you know? And that's just bizarre to me because it's, it's really important. I mean, you have to be able to get along with people, and the better you understand other people, the more the more successful you are going to be. But the better you understand yourself and how your own brain works, um, that that just opens up so many doors for you. It really does, and it's not taught. You know, like people aren't taught the power of habit or how to establish a good habit. You know, they just say, "Oh yeah, well, you know, you need to have good habits as a kid." Okay, well, how do I make those habits? You know, I want to eat healthy, but why can't I? Or why do I keep eating junk food? Or, you know, why do I keep not going to the gym? Whatever it is. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's the point of the show is just to help make psychology applicable, practical, and entertaining as much as I can. So let's go ahead and get started, guys. Um, just acknowledge the fact that life can be hard sometimes. There's no way around that. But there are certain things that we can do to make it a little bit easier on ourselves. And there's there's certain stances that we can take that prepare us a little bit better for the challenges that we have to face. And what I want to talk about today, as soon as my cat stops screaming at me from the next room, uh, what I want to talk about is how our beliefs create the world that we live in and how those beliefs are completely changeable. They really are. We can mold them and shape them into whatever kind of life that we want to live. And it's not magic. It just comes from an understanding of how our brains work. Remember that the outer world, is nothing more than a reflection of your inner world. We've talked about the confirmation bias, um, the brain's ability to justify uh, itself, to, to ignore evidence, and also about the reticular activating system, which by the way, reticular activating system, mouthful. So from here on out, I'm gonna be referring to it as the RAS for short. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and review all these things really quick. It has been a minute and I wanna make sure that you guys are following along. So the confirmation bias in a nutshell, which actually I think that was my first episode now that I think about it. That's weird. I didn't even realize that when I was putting this together. That was my first episode. Okay. Happy anniversary, Psychology Hacks. Um, But yeah, so in a nutshell, it's, it's basically your brain only taking into account the information that supports your current beliefs. It's mostly unconscious, and we don't really even realize that we're doing it for the most part. Your brain is essentially a machine that is designed to make sense of the world. It wants to create meaning because if it creates meaning, it can keep you alive. If you're walking through the jungle looking for food and you have the ability to see tiger tracks in the mud, but your brain can't figure out what that means, you're not going to live long enough to pass your genes on to the next generation. It's just not happening. That's what our brains are wired to do. They want to assign meaning to everything. They want to figure this out. They want to have a good sense of what's going on. Now, once we figured out a little bit about how the world works, we have this tendency to want to keep things that way. We we want it to be figured out. The universe is a big, scary place, and we feel a lot safer when we can pack it all up into a little box that makes sense to us. Having that little box gives us peace of mind, and it keeps us from feeling too overwhelmed. The benefit to this is that by ignoring the huge, huge amounts of information um, that come in, that we do ignore, we can save our limited brain power for the more important tasks of survival. Of course, in the modern world, it's not enough to live in survival mode anymore. But the brain, it does this weird little thing whenever it comes across new information, and it ignores it. Most of the time, we don't even realize that we're ignoring it, though, because it happens unconsciously. So let's, let's illustrate this a little bit. Um, not to get into this discussion, but this is just an example, so calm down. Um, if you've ever listened to a religious debate, um, for example, so like a hardcore Christian against a hardcore evolutionist. If you've ever watched these two people argue, or if you've been in this situation, if you've been on one of these sides, um, you've seen the confirmation bias in action, okay? If you've ever heard a political argument between, say, like a, a right-wing, left-wing supporter, you've seen this in action, okay? this is the, This is the perfect example, either of these situations. Listening to these conversations, to me at least, is really, it's just mind-numbingly tedious. It really is. Because neither side acknowledges the valid points that the other side makes at all. They just kind of plow through and they ignore any evidence that makes them uncomfortable. It's kind of like watching two people play tennis, except where instead of like a, a, a lively debate of back and forth, it's where both players just completely ignore the ball that the other person sends their way and instead picks up their own ball and serves it back. So then you've got all these balls flying back and forth, and no one's really playing the game right. And you can't even pretend that it's how things are supposed to be because each player is using different colored balls. So now it's just a huge mess, but I'm going to go ahead and stop talking about balls for now. Uh, The the point that I'm making here is that this is the confirmation bias at work. This is a perfect example. We think we're living in this world, and we think that we have this world all figured out. And we can't understand why everybody doesn't just agree with us. You know, like it doesn't make any sense. These are our deeply held beliefs. People are stupid if they can't see that, right? And all the while, our brains are filtering out massive amounts of information that we don't even, we don't even have any uh, conception of. We don't even know that this is going on. And be, by filtering out this information, we don't have to challenge those beliefs. And at the end of the day, nothing gets accomplished, except everyone does go home feeling like they've won. I think, oh, yeah, yeah, I showed them, or, or my side showed them, or whatever. But that's the thing, though. It's like both sides going home thinking the same thing because they're ignoring all the evidence to the contrary. So that's one reason I don't really get involved in political discussions with people, um, whether I agree with them or not. Um, I definitely don't waste my time watching the, the debates. It's just, in my opinion, it's theater for the masses and nothing more. There's no real value there, just a bunch of people seeing what they want to see. And if you talk to supporters of either side after those debates, they both think that their side is won, and they don't even think that they won. They think that they dominated, that it wasn't even close. I remember that in particular I thought, the last debate because I have friends on both sides, and they were both coming up to me and talking afterwards, and I didn't say anything. I don't, I don't really care, but they were coming up and talking about, oh yeah, you know, so and so did this or so and so did that, whatever. And I'm like, the other, and then another friend comes up and says the exact same thing about the other side. I'm like, what? What's going on here? Like, this is not, there's something There's something interesting happening here. And it's a great time to observe people, it really is. Now ask yourself, how in the world could both sides really think that? And the answer is very simple. We see what we wanna see, that's it. And that goes on well outside the, the, the realm of politics and religion, it goes on in every aspect of life, okay? I'm using politics here as, as an example because it's an easy way to illustrate the point. But it should make you question how you how you see things because there's people out there that completely disagree with you about every single one of your most deeply held beliefs. And they have just as much reason for what they believe as you do. There's probably people that hold uh, beliefs that you've never even heard of, you know. And I like to – whenever people kind of start getting on my nerves a little bit, I try to remind them, well, you know, the libertarian candidate wanted to legalize uh, machine guns and cocaine – but y'all said no. I mean, just imagine how much fun we could have had with that. And people just don't have, it doesn't make any sense to them. They're like, I didn't even know that that was on the table. Not that they they care, but it's just a bizarre thing that like, they forget about it as soon as they hear it. You bring it up again later, like, yeah, what, what what are you what are you even talking about? I'm like, I'm trying to show you the fact that you're only seeing the information that you want to see, and they don't care. So I keep to myself. Anyway, that's the confirmation bias wrapped up for you points to you if you can remember why the brain tries to avoid holding conflicting views simultaneously. Um, It creates what's called cognitive dissonance, which is extremely uncomfortable, and it's also difficult for me to say for some reason. I don't know why. But your brain's going to do just about anything that it can to avoid feeling this dissonance. And it's it's very good at self-justification. And a while back, I talked about winning arguments. In that episode, I, I mentioned how it's a good idea to avoid going up against somebody's beliefs all out and it's 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 always a good idea to leave them a face saving exit strategy so this is it's because people dig their heels in and they, they they'll fight bitterly to be right even when they know that they're wrong because to admit otherwise it's it's is extremely uncomfortable it creates that cognitive dissonance and it's not something that 's easy to uh, to to process to deal with so the, the point of this is not to complain about how stubborn people are. The point is that these things are happening in our minds, and most of it is below the level of our awareness. We don't know that it's going on, but understanding that all of this is happening tells us something very interesting. It tells us that our minds are capable of creating any reality that we choose. The unconscious will interpret outside events in any way necessary in order to maintain its view of the world once it has one established. So 10 people go through the same event, they interpret it 10 totally different ways we see things not as they really are. We see things as our programming is, okay? Now, this can be either a good thing or a bad thing. Again, depending on the programming. It can be a bad thing obviously, but if you've got inefficient systems running in your head, it's going to be difficult for you to overcome them. It's it's really tough to notice things that your rational mind doesn't even take responsibility for. The good news is that we're not we're not computers, technically. We're not like a computer can't become self-aware and, and change its programming. We can, we can take charge of the processes that run. Now we can't actively consciously control them 24-7, but we can create that change and then and then set it free and let it do it, let it do its own thing. So it takes a lot of work um, to start noticing your unconscious habits. And honestly, I've been on this journey for about six years now. And I've been having I'm still having these really painful moments where I realize just how badly my unconscious is messing me up, okay? And that's not to say my unconscious is out to get me that part of the mind it's it's really doing everything that it can to help you but it responds to the information that you give it it doesn't matter whether or not um the the information that your rational mind provides is accurate so if you go through a bad breakup for example and you spend weeks and weeks and weeks obsessing over how terrible life is the unconscious doesn't stop and say hold up wait a second No, no, no. Look at all the good things that are going on. Like, you're only focused on the negative. It doesn't do that. It says, oh, you're telling me how bad life is. That must be what you want me to focus on. You want me to focus on how untrustworthy people are. And you got to think, when you're in that state, you're in a very highly emotionally charged state. The unconscious speaks the language of emotions. So the unconscious says, okay, well, you're, you're speaking to me in the language that I communicate in, so I understand you. Life is terrible. People are untrustworthy, blah, blah, blah you know and I think back to when I was a little bit younger too before I had learned the healing process before I had learned how to like actually deal with pain of of any kind not not just like breakups but I mean just life in general and I spent a lot of time really I mean just kind of beating myself up and saying all these awful things to myself for years like, like several years and I still deal with that you know and it's it's I've broken those habits for the most part. I don't really deal with that kind of um, self-defeating mental chatter, at, at least not nearly as much. Knock on wood. Um, <laughs> but the the repercussions of that are still a, a real thing. They still come up because you know no matter how much you dig and dig and dig and try to pull that stuff out, like it's still there, and you still have to you still have to heal those really deep scars sometimes, and it's difficult. And, and, I mean, I'm the worst offender in this case. I'm not preaching to anybody. I mean, I've really struggled with depression for a long time. And when I was in that headspace, I spent so much energy just telling myself the worst kind of stuff. And when you're in a really emotional state and you're just sitting there and you're blaming yourself for everything, thinking that life is miserable, that you're stuck, saying that you're never going to truly be happy, etc., that stuff really sinks in. It really gets to you. I mean, you might think that it's just you expressing yourself. And it's, oh, well, i got to let it out. But the unconscious speaks the language of emotion, like I just said. So when you're telling yourself these things in an emotional state, you're programming yourself to think that way, you know? And while I've made a lot of major changes in my life, I still deal with that, like I said. And I'm not alone in that, all right? Even, I mean, people that get through difficult times and then it still comes up years, years and years down the road, and they're like, well, what's going on? Like, why am I still dealing with this? I thought it was over with. Well, you know that's one of the reasons. It's not the only reason. I mean, healing is not a, a linear process. You know, it comes in cycles, and things will get better for a while, and then you'll kind of backslide a little bit. And it's not that you're you're stuck at square one again necessarily, but it, it's that's the opportunity for you to show that you've learned a lesson. That's that's when you try, and actually you you take the time and, and heal again. You know. And if you're doing things correctly, it won't take you as long this time. But if, as soon as those negative emotions come back up, if you give into them and you immediately just start thinking like all those bad things all over again, and you let yourself slide into that negative state of mind, well, your unconscious is thinking, "Oh, okay. Well, this is what I'm supposed to do." You know, if you make a habit of dealing with those storms, getting through them, and actually keeping your head up, well, then your unconscious learns, "Okay, well, when this when this happens." That's what I do. That becomes your default. And it doesn't make it it doesn't mean that it's not hard at all, but it makes it a lot easier, you know. You've got to really you've got to really take time to to work on those limiting beliefs and that negative self-talk though. It's it's essential. You can't you can't get through the darker times in your life if you're constantly engaging in self-talk that keeps you there. You know, you're not going to get through it. You're just going to stay there. And it takes training yourself to become more aware of when you start off down a negative train of thought to begin with. After you learn how to bring awareness to your habits and patterns you can begin to change them. It's it's really hard to hit a moving target so you've got to establish what your goal is first. Once you start doing this it gets really interesting honestly. I remember when it first clicked for me that beliefs were something that were changeable you know and I was really resistant to that idea at first because it seems like my beliefs were there for a reason and that changing them would only have been Lying to myself, you know, but it finally hit me that my beliefs, they weren't the end-all be-all. They weren't set in stone, and, you know, they're only based off of my very narrow view of reality. And that was a really powerful moment for me, and I've been playing with my beliefs ever since. Whenever I realize that there's anything holding me back or bringing me down, I always try to take some time and get to the bottom of it. You know, nine times out of ten, I realize that whatever I'm thinking, it's not so much grounded in reality as in my own interpretation of events. I say interesting things happen because, I mean, really seeking to upgrade your belief system, it changes your life in so many ways, and most people stick with the beliefs that they happen to pick up as kids, as teenagers, and that seems really silly to me because that's the time in your life when you have the least amount of experience and, you know, the least amount of ability to exercise your judgment. It's also a time when you don't really, you don't typically put a whole lot of attention into the beliefs that you develop. I said you're, you're living in a more reactive state than anything else at the time. And anybody can benefit from upgrading their belief systems. And I call this episode, Think What You Want, because when it comes down to it, the world is exactly what you think it is. Once you decide to start looking for something, um, the, the RAS is what is responsible for picking up on it. Um, just to circle back to that, I know we didn't really pick up on that. The, the reticular activating system your your brain is receiving an incomprehensible amount of information at any given time. The amount of raw data that's hitting your sensory organs throughout the day it would drive you insane if you were aware of even half of it and you, you just don't have the brain power to be aware of everything going on around you at any given time so to compensate for this, the brain has a solution that the, the RAS picks up and it 's a part of your brain that it acts like kind of a filter. For your awareness so whenever you prime your brain to notice something the ras is responsible for picking up on it so i'm going to do an episode soon that goes more into depth on the particular function of some parts of the brain but for now just understand that it basically sorts through all the information coming in and it decides what's important so if you've ever bought a car that you thought was unique only to start seeing them everywhere that's the ras kicking in it's going to notice whatever you tell it to uh, whatever it deems valuable if you start priming it to notice opportunities, it will. If you prime it to notice devious body language, you're going to see it everywhere. If it's looking for what's wrong in a situation, that's all you're going to see. It's the, the spotlight effect that we talked about in an, another episode. Um, if, you, if you look for the positive uh, on the flip side of the coin, though, that's everywhere too. And once you start noticing these things, you develop a belief about the world. You, you think, well, I'm seeing all this negative stuff, so the world must be a bad place. Everyone's always lying to me or trying to get me upset, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Or, hey, that was a great opportunity to learn, and it made me better, and um, that person lied because they're insecure about themselves. That has nothing to do with me. I bet if I addressed their insecurity, I could, you know, like, turn them into an ally, blah, 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 blah. Whatever, you know, use your imagination. But the point is that you notice certain aspects of the world around you, but never all of it. The world isn't really positive or negative. It just is. It's just there. It's neutral. Nature it does its own thing, and it's neither good or bad. It's like a lion killing an antelope. Um, you know, that's good for the lion, and it's bad for the antelope. I talked about that in my um, email newsletter this month. And I remember uh, I was surfing shortly after a tropical storm one time, and um, all of a sudden I realized just how very deeply, um, just how powerful the ocean was. <laughs> I mean, it just really hit me all of a sudden. It didn't care about me at all. It was going to do its own thing, and there was a real possibility that it could kill me. And now, for me, it was a very freeing experience, because once I realized this, um, it just kind of put me in a more primal state of mind, and it, it made me kind of let go of everything that I was holding on to, all the anxiety, all the stress and everything. I just, it, it was all gone. It was just the fact that I had to pay attention and I had to be present in the moment where I could die. And that day of surfing was, like, honestly one of my best memories ever. I love that memory because it was a breakthrough for me. I began to understand that life is the same way. You know, it can be rough and the environment can be dangerous. The conditions can crush the life out of you and drag you down if you're not careful sometimes. However, if you keep your head up and you look for opportunities, you can really have an amazing time. You just got to choose how you look at it. You know, that whole afternoon that I was out there was terrifying. It really was. I was flirting with death the entire time and I knew it, you know, and at the same time, those are the best ways I've ever caught. I had an awesome time and the lessons I learned that they translated pretty well into the rest of my life. So that's the metaphor that I like to use. You know, life is like an ocean. It's not good or bad, but how you choose to look at it, that that interpretation means everything. So if you decide you're going to find the opportunity... um, in, in the good in a situation, that's what you're gonna see. It doesn't mean the bad stuff isn't there, but you don't, you don't focus on it except to deal with reality as necessary, which you, you do have to, but it, not nearly as much as you think you do. <laughs> on the other side of the coin, if you focus on the negative, it doesn't mean that the positive stuff's not there either, but it does mean that you don't have as much mental space to process it. We only have so much processing power in our brains. And if you're focusing on negative stuff, that drowns everything else out. The negative becomes all you see because that's what you're looking for, you know. So once you decide what to look for, that's what you notice. And that's why I start my day by thinking of everything that I'm grateful for. And it's how I end every day too. Because when I do that, I notice that there's more and more things to be grateful for. After you've made a habit of noticing this, that, or the other, you begin to form beliefs about what it all means Um, and then once you have those beliefs, they become subject to the confirmation bias and the brain's ability to justify itself and to to assume that it's always right about everything. Um, But just remember something. You can't spell belief without lie. Those beliefs are changeable, Um, and once you begin to understand all this, it becomes obvious that you have an incredible power. You can decide exactly what your world is going to look like just by being intentional about what you focus on. And the beliefs that you give your attention to, of course. And that becomes your programming. And that's going to run your life behind the scenes for better or worse. So you better make sure that you're making the best programming decisions that you can. Thanks for listening, guys. Again, thank you for an awesome year. Good luck.